I would like to welcome back Elaine Shercliffe of The Canon, and we are here to discuss The Last Dance episodes 5 and 6. Hi, I'm excited to be back. Um, this time I won't get so excited that I forget when I actually moved to Ohio, which was 1996, not 1991. <laughs> it's five years, it's all good. <laughs> it's still, It was still very painful for people to see me in that that shirt. I think it was probably painful for people to see me in any sort of full stuff until the Cavs like, finally started doing well in like 2014 <laughs> well uh in 1996 as long as you weren't wearing a ravens t-shirt i think you had been fine no no that's <laughs> other i ugh, that makes me physically ill <laughs> so i figure a good place to start uh with this is isaiah thomas not being involved with team usa now from growing up in michigan uh, the perspective that everyone there has, you believe, is that it's specifically a Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas issue. But as we saw in The Last Dance, it was more than that. Other players didn't like Isaiah Thomas. Right. I like the fact that a lot of them agreed that he um, he was a good player and they respected him as a player, which I feel like a lot nowadays across every sports spectrum like people think that you have to be friends with who you respect on the court or if you're not friends with them you don't respect their skill um this really highlighted that they really did like what was happened on the court happened on the court what happened off the court happened off the court um and then there's like little caveats too about like you know they were mad at Isaiah Thomas for being a little bitch about like not shaking hands. But that just goes to highlight what his whole personality was like. So it it was interesting to see that he wasn't liked by many people, but they still respected who he was as a player. Yeah, and there, sometimes it's just how it is. I mean, you can definitely tell that Michael Jordan still hates Isaiah Thomas to this day. That's something that I think pretty much everyone can agree upon. And it, it wasn't, it's not just a Jordan issue. It's other players didn't like him and that his presence alone may have impacted the performance of the team. Now they still probably would have won by 20, 30 points a game, but maybe a couple of them would have been closer or they might've had some moments where things may not have been, uh, so great in terms of the getting along department. Right. And that, I mean, you could have a bunch of superstars on a team and they just won't have the right chemistry, whether they don't get along or they don't get each other. You know, it's that chemistry that really takes you to the next level. I mean, you kind of see it with the Olympics sometimes. I mean, outside of basketball, you see it with like other, like say hockey, they, they'll put these superstars on the team together, but then they won't play as well as you think they're going to because they just don't click. And the 1982 dream team was like the team of all teams ever for any sport in the Olympics, just because, well, and probably the miracle team for hockey, but like their 
chemistry was just so amazing. They just, it was awesome. Compared with their, combined with their skill, takes it to the next level. And some of that, what we saw was in the, the practice footage that they showed. You could see that there was a competitiveness there. And it was, there was competitiveness, desire to beat each other, but it wasn't a hatred either. And I think that if Isaiah Thomas would have been there, there may have been fist fights. There may have been, you know, large yelling and disagreements. Yeah, Magic Johnson threw the ball into the upper deck of the arena that they were practicing in, but I think things may have gotten a little bit more escalated if Isaiah Thomas may have been there just because of how many incidents that he's been involved in with various players on that team. Right. And then I was thinking about it too is um, people, you know, like we said, they blamed it on Jordan and now we see that the players, but one of the assistant coaches of that team was Lenny Wilkins. So, you know, he was the Cavs coach uh, from like, I think like 86 to maybe 93, I think. I can't remember, but I just remember my dad always telling me about like how much Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons would just get under Lenny Wilkins specifically skin during games that he was coaching. So like imagine being that assistant coach and you have to pick between Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas, who, I mean, Johnson was the better one at that time, but, um, and just being like, screw that. Like, I don't want this guy on the team because he is a pain in my ass and I don't like him. Uh, Lenny Wilkins was the coach from 86 to 93. I just looked that up right now. Uh, and the other issue uh, that created, I guess, some some drama in this whole thing is the fact of the head coach was Chuck Daly. He coached Isaiah Thomas every single day. He was his right. head coach in Detroit. And so having, there was always this sort of, you know, growing up in the in the Detroit area in Michigan, people always got were mad at Michael Jordan because he made Chuck Daly not take Isaiah Thomas. Right. Can you imagine the position he was in? Like, like I said, we all know that Johnson was like better. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, you either are going to be called out for favoritism of picking your own player, or you're going to be called and say that you have no loyalty to your player. So regardless of how he chose for that Olympics, it was going to come back to bite him in the ass. And in the end, it, he made the right, in my opinion, he made the right decision. But also, I'm not a big fan of Isaiah Thomas. So, <laughs> I mean, for, for what it's worth, he came out the other side relatively unscathed. And uh, so for Chuck, for Chuck Daly, I mean, that he's still well-regarded and highly regarded in the Detroit area. So it's not like he did this and everyone decided that he was public enemy number one. It was... I'm sure it was different back then, but as time has gone on, time has passed, it, it's a very minor footnote in the legacy of Daly and his time with the Pistons. Exactly. Now, as we are discussing Team USA and what they did, they, they took on uh, Croatia and uh, a little player named Tony Kukoc. And, of course, Jerry Krause had to say Tony Kukoc was going to be the future of the Chicago Bulls. 
beforehand. Because Jerry Krause is an idiot. Well, <laughs> he is and he isn't. You know what I mean? But Tony Kukoc was a good get. That's for sure. I will give him all the credit for that. But, I mean, he's played zero games in the NBA, and he's talking him up and all this other stuff, and he's praising Tony Kukoc. And Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen are right there just like, are you serious? Right. We're right here. <laughs> and so I th- thought it was absolutely hysterical that essentially Jordan and Pippen were like, nope, we're ending him. He's doing nothing. <laughs> just to take it out on Jerry Krause. And I thought that was absolutely hysterical because they had such a dislike for Jerry Krause for the longest time. It only seemed to come out as being as explosive as it was publicly towards the end. But the fact that this was 1992 and Jerry Krause was doing stupid shit then and they were mad and they decided to basically try and end Tony Kukoc. What makes me laugh about that is just how fast guys like Charles Barkley got on board. They were like, okay, we'll take him down for you. That's cool. <laughs> it was it was essentially follow the leader. And, you know, guys like Jordan, guys like Pippen, I mean, those, those two guys were, you know, they were the two of the best guys in the league at the time. They were champions. So it was like, okay, let's just follow their lead. And I'm pretty sure that they told them stories about Jerry Krause, so they're probably on board to make Jerry Krause look bad, too. Right. Uh, I just felt so bad for Tony Kukoc. Like, I even remember watching it when I was younger, and then watching it again um, on Sunday night, I was just like, this poor boy has no clue what's going to happen. He has no clue why this is happening um, and it's all because somebody liked him. That's literally, <laughs> it's essentially like mean girls. Like if you like, if you like a guy and some other girl outside of your group likes that guy and all the girls are super mean to that girl only because she likes the same person you do, but doesn't know it. Like <laughs> Jerry Krause kept trying to make Tony Kukoc happen. MJ told them, stop trying to make it happen. Um, I'm going to do a little little jumping around for a second in the spirit of The Last Dance because this was not the first time or the, the last time. This wasn't the last time that Michael Jordan and the Bulls got mad at something Jerry Krause said in a player that he loves. And the other player would be Dan Marley of the Phoenix Suns, who they were playing in the finals. Uh, Jerry Krause said he loved Dan Marley. So what did they do? They buried Dan Marley. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes petty breeds success. Sometimes, I guess sometimes being petty can just motivate you <laughs> to be the best ever. Well, if it's being petty against an you know someone who's being an asshole like Jerry Krause, then yeah. I mean, that can certainly drive you to just incredible heights, incredible levels of success. Right, I just love that for Jordan, the things that drove him the most were people telling him no, like him getting cut from the team um, when he was younger, not the Bulls. But um, <clears throat> and then just hearing Jerry Krause say he likes something, 
I mean, what would he have done if Jerry Cross was like, man, I really love gambling. Like, would he have quit? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I have a feeling it would go the opposite direction. He'd be like, listen, Jerry, I'm the best gambler of all time. I'm going to take all of your money. That's how that would go. Oh, you like gambling? I'm going to make it so you don't like gambling. I mean, a, a perfect example was the, the tweet I shared with you earlier. It comes from Zito from the uh, the Pat McAfee show, uh, underscore Zeets on Twitter. And it just simply states, Jerry Krause, like sunshine. Michael Jordan, fuck sunshine. I'd destroy the sun right now. I mean, that is the perfect description of the relationship between those two. I just, I feel like maybe before Jerry Krause died, he was like, on his deathbed saying, like, 2020 was the best year ever. And then my friend <laughs> was like, bet, bet, it's not gonna be. <laughs> uh, the fact that it's just, it's so much just, I'm sure we'll see more of this, of them just <laughs> making Jerry Krause look bad, because not only did they did it, do it with just saying things to him, just, you know, players he said that he liked, or we're the future of the Bulls. They were like, nope, not happening. <laughs> so, jumping back, again, in last dance fashion, back to the Olympics. They played Tony Kukoc again. Tony Kukoc did better, but Team USA still won uh, fairly easily. And we, we found there was going to be a little bit of an issue with, uh, with Michael Jordan and the uh, uniform that they had to wear. It was sponsored by Reebok. And obviously, Michael Jordan didn't want to display the Reebok logo because he's not a Reebok guy. But I mean, they, they said he couldn't like just cover it up with something. So he's like, oh, I'll find out the perfect way to cover it up. And he grabs the American flag. The smartest. You can't tell him to take the American flag down. No. I mean, you could, but it looks real bad. <laughs> If there's if there's anything that he could have found him, that there could not have been a better way to cover up the logo than with the American flag at the Olympics when you're getting your gold medal. I mean, how great is that to the brand, though? You know, you see all of these other people who have brands with like Converse or Nike or like Adidas or something like that, and then they go to the Olympics or they go to like an an event and it's sponsored by those other brands and they have no problem. I mean, they might have a problem, but they still wear it and they still show it. And, you know, there's Michael Jordan who's like, screw this. I'm not doing it. I'm so loyal to my brand that I'm just going to take the American flag and <laughs> throw it in front of this because they can't tell me what to do. I think the best part of that is they showed that little video clip of him walking, and you can see that little smirk on his face, just smiling ear to ear, like he knew exactly what he was doing in that moment. He was a little shit, and he knew it, and he embraced it. <laughs> which is which is one of the things that makes him such, uh, for some people, a lovable athlete. For some people, it's a reason why people don't like him. <laughs> yeah. But nobody could like him less than Skip Bayless likes LeBron. <laughs> oh, man, that that Skip Bayless tweet last night was something. I didn't read any of his tweets. I couldn't do it, but 
someone, and I wish I knew who it was now, tweeted it out and it said, nobody, like um, Michael Jordan may hate Isaiah Thomas, but he doesn't hate Isaiah Thomas more than Skip Bayless hates <laughs> LeBron James. And I was like, that is like the accuracy of that tweet is just, it's perfection. <laughs> it really is because he, he found a way to make it about LeBron when it's not about LeBron. Right. That's the thing. Even LeBron's not making it about himself. Like, (laughs) no one else is doing it for him. I mean, he did tweet something the other. I think last week where it was where he he was he was and he wasn't kind of making it about himself. Uh, but it's not to the extent of how I think some people thought he was going to do it. Right. Uh, I mean, I've made this about myself. Like, I, I see things, and it brings back memories. Like, when John Paxson sank that three, I just remember, like, fireworks going off in the surrounding areas around where I grew up, and, like, glasses breaking, because people were so excited. They were just, like, throwing things in the air. And I think it was, like, 90... I think it was the year before, there was, like, a blackout in Oak Brook where we were watching it, and we had to turn on the radio right as it was ending, and then, like... It was just mass chaos, like in a good way. Like there were, it was like those things. And so I get it. Like people are going to make it a little bit about themselves because so much of people are like ingrained into it because it was so much a part of not just history or sports history, but like even like fashion and all of that. Like it's insane how much that team and Michael Jordan were like mixed into everything. So, you know, LeBron, make it a little bit about yourself. We all know you modeled yourself after Michael, go for it. Make it about yourself. But Skip Bayless is taking it to like a, such an extra level. <laughs> I, I can't wait for this blackout to happen in like 1989 and not when the Bulls won. And you have to correct <laughs> yourself next week. So I, I think that's a, a good point to uh, transition to, I think, a, a very monumental moment in the life of Michael Jordan. And that is when he took the meeting with Nike. Because of his mama. <laughs> because of his because of his mother told him to go see Nike, even though he didn't want to go to Nike at first. He wanted Adidas. Right. But and he, he went in with no intentions. He was like, I'll go find mom like every kid. Fine, mom. I'll do what you want. And then he got there, and they offered him. They gave him an offer. Couldn't refuse. <laughs> that was it. She started a whole. Because of her, I feel like fashion on shoes became like a real thing. It was all her. She changed the course of history for so many things just because she told her son to meet with Nike. Yeah, I mean, imagine, imagine how people. Uh, who not only worked with Adidas then, but worked with Adidas 20 years ago when they blew it with another athlete when Kobe Bryant was with Adidas, then he left Adidas because they were making some ugly-ass shoes. Those shoes were so ugly. I remember when Adidas had, like, cute stuff, and and then around that time, I was like, why is it so ugly? (laughs) 
There are some there are some really ugly uh, Adidas shoes, but I mean they they blew it with Michael because they weren't in the business of that at the time, and they blew it with Kobe with the ugly shoes. I mean, yeah, they've done some things now where they've I guess you know sort of built themselves as a brand, but imagine if Michael was able to sign with Adidas like he wanted to, right? Like. Well, first of all, we have to touch on the fact that Nike did not always make great shoes. Those eight, <laughs> okay. the that game, they were awful. And I saw someone tweet out about how they were just Timberlands in disguise. And it, it's so true. <laughs> but because they were Michaels, it was fine. Yeah, um, not, not every one of those shoes they came out was some spectacular piece of craftsmanship. Some of... Some of the shoes were straight up ugly. Some of them looked like slippers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and they were kind of ugly. There were some where they had like the giant zipper going over the top. I was never a fan of those. Was... They were comfortable. Kind of. Not really. They made my feet look really big. Yeah. Nikes can do that from time to time. I have I have a couple pairs of LeBrons that do that for, sometimes, where they just make my feet look just wider and just they take up a lot more space than if I were just wear a regular pair of shoes. Yeah, I look like clown feet. Like I I have big feet for a woman. Like I wear like an eleven, twelve in women. So <laughs> so those shoes don't do any favors for someone with normal size feet. <laughs> The bigger they get, the more you look like a clown, some of them. Yeah, that does not do anyone any favors. But one thing, um, the Spike Lee commercials, mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. were awesome. I vaguely remember uh, seeing, uh, uh, I don't know if I saw them the first time around, if they just, or saw them just on like a recording, but I remember seeing them and just, you know, it's got to be the shoes. Mm -hmm. It's gotta I be love the shoes. That, I love that the one involved like um, a guy in a Larry Bird jersey stepping on them. <laughs> oh, in that movie? <laughs> yeah, because it was such like a. Um, it was really what was happening. They were fighting against each other in the shoe business. People forget that. Like Larry Bird was a. People loved Larry Bird. They was almost to. He was like the sensationalized a lot by a lot of people and Michael Jordan had a lot to go up against at first but then you know it took off but they were battling um but yeah like would Spike Lee have ever done those if they were with Adidas if it was for Michael Jordan probably maybe yeah I mean because I mean if you had to think they probably would have followed a similar trajectory that Nike did, because Nike wasn't Nike at the time. So I imagine it would have been, I guess, you know, a different trajectory for them. True. But, pause for a second. Uh, Larry Bird's uh, Converse shoe, the weapon, that thing was ugly <laughs> as shit. It was so ugly, but people fucking wore it. Because they wore it. The alternative was the Converse Chuck Taylor. It was that or the, the Chuck Taylor. Yeah, you know, you know all the people in, like, the country, like, where my mom grew up, they were all about that because they love Larry Bird and his mullet. So they were like, you got to wear his shoes, too. 
I actually wore a pair of Chuck Taylors in a basketball season once in like eighth grade. People who could do that are like amazing to me because I love my Chucks and I wear them to concerts and I love um, my other Converse, but they are not for, I don't know, anyone who can use them for all day use or for like running around, like God bless you. I, your feet are just miracle feet. It must have just been because I was in eighth grade and, you know, being that age, you're somewhat almost indestructible, I guess. Um, <laughs> I had bendy ankles, so that's not true for every eighth grader. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a, a very uh, controversial thing they they covered and it was Michael Jordan not endorsing Harvey Gantz for, it was governor of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I only have a, a couple things I want to, I guess, touch on. I mean, you can add in what you want, but the way I look at it is it doesn't matter the ethnicity of anyone. If anyone is even giving any sort of what people might interpret as an endorsement of a candidate for something, people get mad. I mean, there was that picture of Garth Brooks a month or two ago in Detroit wearing a Barry Sanders jersey with the number 20, and people interpreted that as an endorsement of Bernie Sanders for president in 2020. Yes, because people think what they want to think. Which, Garth Brooks... Country musician, he has a very identifiable fan base. And they got mad at him because they didn't understand what he was wearing. So looking back to when this happened, when he when Michael Jordan didn't endorse Harvey Gantt, I understand. Because if you look, in 2020, people can't even do it without being considered controversial. Think about someone of his status, of his you know, ethnic background, being the best player in the game, going out and making an endorsement for someone, for um, a government position in a state like North Carolina. It was not going to go over well. Right. My thing is, is <clears throat> first of all, I, well, I just looked it up to make sure, but he was just running for Senate. Well, I mean, the was Senate. My bad. It's a big. It's a big thing. I love how I'm just like it was just the Senate. It's the Senate. Um, but he, I mean, he trusted his mom's opinion on the guy enough to make a donation to his um, campaign. But he, you know, I totally agree with him when he says, like, I didn't know him. I didn't know about him. And so you, I mean, you can't endorse someone that you don't know about. You really can't speak out for them. You know, and um, President Obama, former President Obama coming out and, and saying like, you know, from his standpoint, it was tough because he knew about him and he knew what he stood for. But, you know, there's that, that difference. If you don't know about him, you know, if you don't have anything of importance to add to the conversation, you don't have to add it. And so I really respect the fact that Jordan decided that, you know what, I don't know enough to really make a decision and, and talk about this person. And, you know, people who are famous, 
who have some sort of celebrity, they can sway an election more than they know. And so if you're going to speak out and endorse, you really, really need to know who it is you're endorsing. Because the last thing you need is to endorse someone who turns out to be just like an awful person. I mean, this guy didn't seem like an awful person, but like he didn't know who he was. I mean, for for what it's worth, uh, if the goal would have been just to beat the other guy who seemed like he was an awful person, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess from that standpoint... Just to to defeat him, I guess, in that way, it would have worked. But I agree with you. If you don't necessarily know everything that they stand for, I mean, don't make that endorsement, especially when you're Michael Jordan. You're like the most famous person on the planet outside of probably Michael Jackson at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Don't, Don't do something, I guess, that you don't feel comfortable doing. Obviously, he made a donation. Tons of people make donations. You never hear about them. But as soon as they say, I endorse this person for this public office, it is headline news. And he managed to somewhat, I guess, um, avoid a long-term issue with this because I admit this was the first time I've ever heard of it. True, yeah. I only knew about it because my dad is super into politics and stuff. So we talked about it a lot when I was younger. And I remember him beating it into my head, not beating it, but like, I remember him really like make, was very adamant and saying like what Michael Jordan did was right. Don't let anyone tell you that it was wrong. And he would have those conversations with me daily after that, just so that like I knew that if I was ever to endorse someone, I really needed to know who they were and what they stood for. So Yes. So, on a lighter note, let's get a little bit happier. Yeah. (laughs) How about that clip of Michael Jordan and the security guard? (laughs) How about you? I'm going to roll that money right into my pocket. (laughs) First of all, this is not the first time we've seen that security guard in this documentary. Right. But the fact that, one, um, he's kind of ridiculous looking. Not to be, I'm just, it's his hair and his glasses. It's just, it's very, you can pick him out of a crowd very easily. Yeah. And he had a personality about him too. He wasn't just like some guy that was just there. He was actually into it. He was actually playing along. And, you know, when he did beat Michael, he was very... Very animated. He even shrugged him. And I thought that was hysterical. The moment he Jordan, he Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. And the moment <laughs> he did that, I started cracking up so loud. I woke up both of my dogs who fell asleep on the couch next to me because I just started laughing hysterically when he just did a little shoulder shrug. Amazing. <laughs> and uh, I saw a picture. It, he was at. MJ's uh, uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Yeah, okay, so I was doing more research on it, and my dad was telling me more about him, and so was my mom, just because, like, when they were older when we were living in Chicago, right outside of Chicago, so they knew a little bit more about him. But I guess he was, like, um, he was a police officer, I think maybe in narcotics or something, in Chicago, and um, they became friends with him and then just like randomly became friends with him or something happened to his car. I don't know the whole story. It's so crazy. It's so Michael Jordan. (laughs) Um, 
but they he found they found out he needed a security team and so that's when he became part of like the United Center um security but he was also like his security guard and mm-hmm. so he was on like family vacations and stuff and he befriended the family and he stayed friends with them um for years and i think he died like last year maybe or something like that but um i don't know i thought it was kind of cool like you know, you don't hear that people, you, you know, people have like security guards and they're, they have their, their own special security, but you don't often hear the stories about how they become friends with them. And I don't know if people just don't become friends with them or they do and they just keep it really under wraps. But I don't know. I thought it was kind of a cute story. <laughs> I mean, he obviously, you know, developed enough of a relationship with them uh, to... Uh, I guess keep him involved enough throughout the you know as much as a couple of years ago at the induction I mean, ceremony. Right, I mean he's the only guy who's ever really been able to take Michael Jordan down and uh, keep him down and take his money. <laughs> I still can't believe that happened. I thought I thought MJ was going to win and just kind of like win and walk it off and just like go, but nope, he lost. Right. I just, I was watching that and I think about my family's super competitive. Okay. But like people are so nice to me. Like I'm, when people tell me no, or they want to get competitive with me, I totally make it my like decision to destroy them, but I don't get many opportunities when people tell me no. (laughs) But when our family gets together, when we go to Chautauqua, we play games like this one, very similar. We'll like throw the beer clan closest to the fire without getting in the fire. And I win every time <laughs> because we are competitive. And so it was so great to see like other people that they're just like competitive and um, using coins to pass their time. And I just, I loved it. It was just, I don't know. It makes me so, it makes me so happy. Uh, just like he was so competitive. And this guy, it was like watching my family. It was like watching two friends. You know, everyone has those friends that are super competitive and you always want to, like, take them down. Um, So basically what I'm saying is before every Monsters game next season, uh, this is going to be our pregame ritual. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the person that's super competitive, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. People like John, the cameraman, is gonna walk in and just watch us. Like he, he's not gonna know what to do on opening night. We're gonna be like throwing quarters towards the wall, and he's gonna be like, "What is going on?" <laughs> and I think I think this is a perfect segue to the next discussion here, and that is Michael Jordan and his competitive problem. Okay. Is it like only a problem though if you lose all the time? <laughs> like it's not a problem if you win all the time, right? <laughs> like, like I have a competitive problem, I lose all the time. <laughs> I need my mission to destroy you, but I will lose. <laughs> so I, I think one of the more interesting things was his uh his golf issue with that guy his name is uh Slim. First of all, 
if, if you're gambling with anyone and their nickname is Slim, you're going to lose. Okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, let's just get this out of the way. You're going to lose. And the fact that the the you know the courtroom sketch for Slim I correct me if I'm wrong weren't the golf clubs in the courtroom sketch? Oh, I don't know. I I That's... think I think they were. I'm, I'm gonna Google that real quick. But the the fact that Michael Jordan was I was with this person tells you a lot about it tells you a lot about what he made known and what he didn't make known about what he did. Uh, in regards to, yep, I found it. The golf clubs are in the courtroom sketch. <laughs> like, what? They are. Did <laughs> <laughs> he go tea time after that? <laughs> was he on his way or on his way, on his way to or his way from the golf course? Right. Like, he's gonna go get a quick nine at recess. <laughs> yeah, but but that guy. Michael Jordan is associating himself with, and it's just like mm, not a good look, not a good look. Then, then other stuff starts to to come out about Michael with you know how much he's gambling and his frequency. And there was the the highly publicized trip to Atlantic City. Yeah, uh, the Atlantic City thing that kind of upset me is um, he made it back before curfew. Okay. I think that people kind of missed the boat on that one. You know, if he came back after curfew, I could see it being like a really bad thing, but he made it back before curfew. Um, and he still played well. It's not like he wasn't being, listen, everybody has their own process. As we saw, you know, Dennis Rodman was dedicated to the game and he took it seriously, but he needed that vacation. Mm-hmm. And that was the same thing for Michael. He needed the vacation, but he, unlike unlike Rodman, that there were parameters around his vacation and there was a time limit. So I and if that's the worst thing that he did during all of this, like does it is it does it matter in the grand scheme of things because like like he said you know ten thousand dollars to him was like ten ten dollars yeah it's, it's it's crazy how much how much money he had that he can just th- not throw away but spend and gamble and it makes literally zero impact on how you know he lives but something i'd like to just bring up um I highly doubt he came back before curfew. Because you know how far away New York City and Atlantic City is? I don't know. He said he came back. I'm believing Michael Jordan. He broke the cocaine circus, okay? I got him. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how far are they? Did you so, look it up? I'm looking it up right now. So it's 127 miles away from each other. It says it's two hours and five minutes. They, they took a limo. So you can probably add traffic and all this stuff, you're probably looking at closer to three hours. I mean, he might have drove really fast. I mean... But they were in a limo, though. It's not like they were in a car. Well, I don't know how fast the limo driver drives. They don't go as fast... They don't go in the fast lane. They certainly aren't going, like, 90 on the freeway. I mean, do we know how fast does a limo go? See, now I'm now I'm curious. Like, now I want to know how fast limos can go. I'm sure limos can go fast, but limos, I think, mm, I don't know about how they work in regards to speed limits, but 
they may have to keep it under something, but I am not. I'm not sure. I just know the the few times I have been in one, I have not been in the fast lane or the middle lane. It's been the far right lane. Yeah, it's true. But it's also Michael Jordan. <laughs> it is. It is Michael Jordan. I'm just saying, if he actually came back on curfew, um, maybe he's been in the truth there a little bit. Okay, but he still played well. He still so played well. So who who the hell cares at the end of the day? Just. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, there are rules, and if you bend the rules, you break them a little, and you still do well, people don't actually care. I mean, I guess people should care a little bit, but, like, that's just the hard truth, the hard realities of life. So I, I think what we're, we're getting set up here for is, because that's, it ended with, the you know, the finals against the Suns, but we know what's about to happen and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about the one thing. I'm talking about Michael Jordan's <clears throat> excuse me sudden retirement from basketball and his pursuit of playing baseball. Oh, now there's always been a theory out there, and I want to I want to hear your opinion on it. That he didn't retire from basketball. He was essentially given a suspension for his gambling problem by the NBA because he's been spending so much and. And gambling, and that essentially it was you're you're suspended for a year or whatever from basketball until you get your your gambling back in check. Now, as we've seen from Michael Jordan, he's a very competitive person. He has a competitive problem. He obviously likes to gamble. Do you think that's a possibility? No. Um, maybe like a one percent possibility because if you see. Um, and what episode was it? The fit, the first episode on Sunday, the, um, he talked about just like, you know, when it's time. And I think that he was just getting so overwhelmed with everything that he was thinking about it all along. And then he didn't retire until October of 93. Like, so, you know, he had that summer to think and then his dad died and then he retired. So I think it was always in his mind. And and when I remember it being a buzz that he was going to retire, you know, um, halfway through that season. And so it wasn't a shock to a lot of us when he did finally come out in 93 and say he was retiring. Um, but we were definitely shocked when he started playing baseball and the Sox probably had like amazing ticket sales. I mean, we got to see a few games, but it was really hard to get tickets mm-hmm. because obviously, I mean, there's, you know, the, the Cubs versus Sox games were already hard to get tickets to. Um, and then you throw that into the mix. Yeah, no, it was insane. Um, but no, I, I don't really, I don't think so, especially with the way the NBA now and then talks about gambling. They're not as hard on it as say the MLB is. So I don't, um, and I don't think that they would risk the NBA would want to even risk having him take a year off, you know, because he was bringing in the money for them. He was really bringing in the money from all over the world, not just the country, but the world. So I don't know. I don't really think so. But I mean, who knows? I've been wrong before. 
it's just some it's just something interesting because you you see how it towards it started building towards large there was the large gambling debt with the guy named Slim then you know they saw them you know playing cards on the plane and then he did the interview with the sunglasses on where he kind of looked like a crazy person um that he was, was probably that was during the finals right right was it? he was probably hung over or still drunk you know so <laughs> I think that I, I would like to think that everything goes the way that ever, we've all been told where Michael Jordan retired and pursued to play baseball and, you know, and all this other stuff. But I'm not entirely discounting the possibility that uh, Michael Jordan and or the league was trying to protect Michael Jordan from himself and a potential image problem that he may have been creating um well, in some well, in some it started to you know kind of build up a little bit because you, you think about the the gambling was becoming much more i guess publicly known than you know the interview with the sunglasses it just seems like stuff was starting to build momentum and i think if we find out at some point i don't know if we're, i don't think it's going to be in this at all but if we find out years from now down the line that the NBA was like, yeah, we told him he had to take a year off to get himself back in line. So he could protect to protect himself and to protect our brand. I wouldn't be surprised. So here's the thing. I, I mean, like I do know for a fact is um, he, the first sport he played was baseball when he was younger. I mean, that's kind of how it goes sometimes when, you're in those smaller towns, you know, you toss the ball around with your dad and his dad mm -hmm. loved baseball, and his dad was the one that taught him a lot about baseball. So, um, even if the league had said that he needed to take that year break, I still think that his decision to play baseball was based on trying to rectify stuff from his dad. I agree. Um, I agree from that standpoint, but I'm, I'm the only thing I'm saying is we may not have the entire story. We may never ever get it. Right, and I don't think we ever will because that whole situation, from his dad dying to him retiring, it, there's just so much to it, and um, stuff that none of us will ever know, and stuff that I don't even think Michael will ever know. And it's the you know everyone goes through those points in their life where um they just hit a point and they need to do something different and so um that's what i think happened and i think he was just so overwhelmed too like, that's why i don't think it was the league because they started it out with saying that like he was so overwhelmed by all the attention by all the people he never had a moment really to himself he couldn't go out um, and I know that's like what happens when you're famous, but I can't imagine, like, I like my space. I like my alone time. I can't imagine going to the grocery store and not having that or being able to walk home from the arena or even walk from my car to like my car to the arena without getting asked for like a million autographs, you know? So I don't know. It could have been like a combination of both. Like, he was just ready, and he accepted it if they said that he retired. So he accepted it? Maybe. Like said, a lot of 
things we'll probably never know. Yeah, I'm just I'm not willing to 100% discount it only because there's so there's always been so many rumors about it, and it's not like it's been you know just someone oh it might have been this it's uh, fairly well detailed you know rumors or thoughts or theories it's not just oh yeah he gets suspended for gambling for a year it's there's just a lot of things that that have played into it that I think that maybe it's a possibility now for all we know it could have been just he decided to retire and play baseball then you know the strike happened and he came back to basketball yeah I totally forgot about the strike (laughs) if the strike never happens I don't think he comes back to basketball God, was Gary Bettman involved in, like, every strike <laughs> ever? Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, jeez. Imagine if the strike doesn't happen. Right. Maybe we, he would come back. We, uh, we, we could be talking about Michael Jordan, White Sox player. Not just no. Michael Jordan, Birmingham Baron. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. <laughs> I well, saw what was the what was the White Sox record that year? He could have been a September call up to earn some money. Let's see. White Sox, nineteen ninety four. They were they were in second place. Oh, oh, they were in first place. Never mind. They were in first place when the season was cut short. Listen, they were only in first place. Because they took all of that energy from having sellout crowds, finally. Um, They had a lot of good players on their team that year. We went to a lot of those games. I always forget that um, the owner of the Bulls and the White Sox were the same person. Mm -hmm. Which is... Which, yeah, is, yeah, which is, you know, another reason why a lot of people think that it was just an easy little transition there yeah. in regards to a possible suspension. True. But he also could have made it easier for him to get in there. Regardless, I mean, regardless of how it is. He yeah, made- it, it was easier because uh, Jerry Reinsdorf owned uh, both teams. Right. Just made things significantly easier. I'm sure we're about to embark on that in the in the upcoming episodes is the, the little baseball journey i'm sure that's on the docket here i know i think that we're gonna it's just gonna be um it's gonna be an interesting seventh episode i think because of the way they're building up things first of all it's giving me anxiety because we already know what happens mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> I just don't know how they're going to play it out, you know, but they don't seem to be trying to be over dramatic and go for the cheap feels in this documentary, which I really respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be an interesting wild seventh and eighth season. And I really hope that they touch on space jam. I think they'll definitely touch on that a little bit. Um, I don't know how much they'll go in depth about the whole baseball journey. I'm sure they'll spend probably, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes on it. Only because there already was a 30 for 30 on Michael Jordan playing baseball, which I'm going to watch in between uh, episodes. I'm going to go watch Jordan Rides the Bus (laughs) to get a little more 
um, information, you know, just to refresh my memory and get a little bit more in depth. Uh, a friend of mine actually uh, tweeted out something last night of Jordan driving the bus saying, Jordan drives the bus. Kind of like a little, instead of Jordan rides the bus, Jordan drives the bus. That was amazing, by the way. And it was, so there have been a few hockey moments in this um, documentary. One, obviously, like the bad boys, the Pistons, you know, total hockey mindset. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I just sent you that tweet. <laughs> so happy players. I mean, you've been there in post game when they just interrupt. They just interrupted a post game presser, <laughs> and um, I just totally could see ninety percent of the hockey players in the league getting on a bus and honking a horn. Because they have a three thirty tea time and they're just messing up interviews because they have to get to their tea time. <laughs> <laughs> I can too, and you know Michael Jordan being a very, uh, uh, very much a golf enthusiast, definitely you can tell he's like, all right, let's hurry the hell out of here. I gotta go get some golf in. And oh, by the way, uh, speaking of them golfing, I thought it was absolutely hilarious how everyone's going golfing and they're like, they asked Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman, you going to golfing? Nah, I'm going to Hooters. <laughs> okay. Did you catch that? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I... <laughs> the most Dennis Rodman answer of all time. She's like, nah, I'm going to Hooters. I need a shirt that says that. <laughs> <laughs> Just a picture of him in that parking lot. <laughs> Just a picture of like Dennis Rodman's like outline. So be that orange shirt, you know, the Hooters orange. Oh, yes. In the outline of Dennis Rodman, I'd be like, nah, I'm going to Hooters. 